Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports, local leader. sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. All right, let's ride with the top stories of the day at 4 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo show. We get you caught up every day here during the 4 o'clock reset. We start, of course, with the Phoenix Suns. Another day of practice, another off day in this series between the Suns and the Nuggets before they take on Denver in Game 3 tomorrow at Footprint Center in downtown Phoenix. Head coach Monty Williams said today there might be a couple of tweaks to his lineups. I'll let him explain. We're hopeful that a few adjustments to the lineup, not just campaign, but a couple of the guys that play in .5, space the floor a little bit more, can help us. Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. Yeah, as David Bowie once sang, I mean, you got no choice, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. You're without Chris Paul. Your bench has been a zero. The entire playoffs has been a zero. You try to get something out of it. You shake it up. You play some guy. Hey, these guys haven't played. Look, he did bench Landry Shamit in game two after Landry was so poor in game one. And it's you still got no production out of the bench. So you look at T.J. Warren and you you look at Terrence Ross and next guy's up. Let's see what you guys can do. What the hell? Let's give it a shot. See if we can find something that works here. DeAndre Ayton was asked about T.J. and Terrence Ross. Presumably going to get that playing time. Here's what he said. Them dudes are scoring machines, man. Two guys that can really score the ball. Sticking with D.A., by the way. He was asked today by our own Kellen Olson, no less, about that clip of him just standing around watching. Ooh. Uh-huh. While Jokic got like five different offensive rebounds on one play. Here's what he said. It's just funny how they just pick up that one thing. Um, I don't know what you wanted me to do right there. But yeah, things like that, it's just it's kind of weird. What I want you to do? I don't know what you want me to do. Not Maybe not watch the game? Not maybe participate in it? Maybe get back into the side of the court where you're in play? You know, and, and not to, like... But that's kind of the problem with DA, isn't it? Excuses? Is that, I, no, well, that's one way of looking at it. I think he thinks he's doing everything he can. I think he thinks he gives maximum effort. You know, like, I think he looks at that play and he goes, well, what else was I supposed to do? Well, more. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do more. More than what you were doing. And, and that's, I think, is the fundamental, in a nutshell, problem with DeAndre Ayton is that in his mind, he thinks he's giving you 100%. He thinks he's doing everything that there is to be done. And everybody around him, no, you're not. There's more. There's more for you to do. I think that eight-second soundbite is kind of what's wrong with DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yes. You know, like, what yeah. else was I supposed to do? What else was I supposed to do? More! I mean, how do you look? Do. How do you look at that video and and realize that, and not see that there's more that you can do? Yeah. How do you look at that video and not realize that? Yeah, I think that's that's the core of our issues with DeAndre Eaton. Remember, tip off tomorrow, seven o'clock in downtown Phoenix. Of course, we're going to carry the game live right here on the Arizona Sports app, ninety-eight seven FM. NBA playoffs last night. Boston Celtics bounced back from their game one loss. They even up their series against Philly with a game last night, one twenty-one eighty-seven. The win, I believe, the Boston Celtics. Celtics scored 60 points from the three-point line, and I think it was 18 for Philadelphia. It was cra- the three-point shooting was insane last night. Yeah, no, it really was, and they were able to really control James Harden in that game. Uh, and and the Celtics got their attack going. Embiid's numbers. I saw this one last night. And I was like, we're just blown away by his record against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. He's one and nine. 
One and nine in the playoffs against the Boston Celtics. And Jamal Murray is what against the Phoenix Suns? Nineteen and three now, I think. I thought sixteen and I think it's nine, I think nineteen I think and three against the Suns three. are like sixteen and three against Booker against or Buck or something crazy like, like that. Like yeah, that. yeah, right. Embiid fifteen points, three rebounds uh, in last night's game. Doc Rivers said that Embiid looked good. We didn't play well. That speed that he reached, his explosions, they were very close to normal. So that was great for them to see. Close quote tonight. Meanwhile, it's game two of the Lakers and the Warriors following a very exciting game one that, as you like to say, styles make fights. Yes. I can't wait to see what style we see tonight because know, they were so vastly different in game one, weren't it they? It was like, hey, two plus two is four. No, it's not. Not in that game. <laughs> right? It wasn't. Yeah. That math did not add, did not add up. It was a crazy amount of, uh, I mean, how many three-pointers three did the Warriors take? 52, 52? 53. Man, that's... Yeah, the contrasting styles with those two teams is incredible. Anthony Davis had an incredible game in Game 1. We'll see if he keeps that up. Yeah, we'll see what style wins out tonight. Non-playoff news coming from the NBA today, and probably the biggest story of the day nationally in all of sports. The Milwaukee Bucks have fired head coach Mike Budenholzer after his number one seeded Milwaukee team got oh, dominated by the eight seed Miami Heat in the first one round. One of the most successful five-year runs in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks. Only Larry Costello in from 69 to 74 did more. This guy was the NBA coach of the year. Um, and he was won 60 games that year. He had 56 wins the next season. 39 and 26 in the postseason. But did not advance out of the second round in three of those five years. Yeah, so and that, 39 and 26, but not out of the second round three times in five years. The last four NBA champs, only Steve Kerr is still the head coach. Toronto, Nick Nurse, out. The Lakers, Frank Vogel, out. Milwaukee, Mike Budenholzer, out. Only Steve Kerr remains among the last four NBA champs. That, to me, is nuts, nuts, nuts. Jumping around the NFL, Lamar Jackson officially signed his five-year, $260 million contract today, sitting an NFL record for signing bonus, three-year cash flow, mm. average annual value per season. Quote, I want to throw for like 6,000 yards with the weapons we have. I'm not an individual award-type guy or stat watcher. I just want to do that because no one's ever done it, and I feel like we have the weapons to do it, close quote. Yeah, it's... uh I think it's. I think you're right. I just don't have the weapons to do it. Yeah. The Chiefs signed veteran offensive tackle Donovan Smith to a one-year deal today. Uh, also today, the New York Giants and all-pro defensive That's tackle like Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, big deal. Four-year, ninety million dollar extension wow. that includes sixty million in guaranteed makes him the third yeah. highest-paid defensive tackle in they, the NFL. They drafted him out of Clemson, and they thought they had something special there. They love that kid in New York. They love Dexter Lawrence. He's been great for them. This story I was not aware of until just now. So thanks to Eric and Mitch for throwing it into the 4 o'clock reset because I didn't know this. According to Andrew Marchand who reports on sports media news, Tom Brady might quit his 10-year, $375 million deal with Fox. Why would he... I wonder why I wonder why Tom Brady would quit that deal with Fox. He's perfect for television, right? He's perfect for TV. I think, you know, you, and unless he just doesn't want to do it, right? He's made enough money. He's got a lot of things going on. I think Tom Brady, if he's not... You know, I think he'd be really good on television. Maybe not as good as Tony Romo, but I think he'd be really good and people would love to tune in to hear what he has to say. He says that right now, Tom Brady is at 51 percent more likely to walk away from the deal before it starts. Wow. Before What's going starts. on in Utah? <laughs> what, what is going on in Utah? What's going on with Tom Brady right now? Why would the else? Jazz do 
do that. <laughs> Conflicting reports about the Pac-12 and their new media yes. rights deal. CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd reports ESPN has indicated it will not be a primary partner for a TV and streaming deal. And yet there are reports from The Athletic and John Wilner that nothing has changed. ESPN is still very much a viable candidate to be a broadcast partner for the yeah, Pac-12. So Either way, believe. nothing's happened, right? No, and I think the only way ESPN's in is just the you know after you know the Pac-12 after dark stuff, right? The late get the late game window if they stay in it. But it's crazy that here we are in May and the Pac-12 you know opened up that window so long ago and they just aren't able to strike a deal with anybody. Yeah. Uh, the Pac-12's current media contract uh, puts its best football games on Fox and ESPN. It ends in July of 2024, so about a year from now. Leaders of the Pac-12 are meeting this week in Scottsdale. Uh, the media deal negotiations and expansion are two topics, but John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, the best Pac-12 insider there is, reported yesterday that the media deal negotiations is still weeks, if not months, away from concluding. Wow. I mean, how long are these universities? I mean, you got to know what the budget's going to be. Like, right. how long do they sit there and realize that, hey, we don't have a product that is really that exciting for people? The longer it goes, Let's leave. the more it's easier to think that it's just not there. The money's just not there. And then this interesting note, since apparently yeah. we're doing a lot of sports media in today's 4 o'clock reset, but that's where the news is. The Vegas Golden Knights have followed the lead of the Suns and the Mercury and announced a new partnership to broadcast their games locally for free to the residents of Nevada starting in 2023-24. An over-the-air local affiliate broadcast deal like the Suns had reached with Channel 3 and Channel 5 here in Nevada. Now, of course, there's a lawsuit holding up the Suns. What the Suns might end up being kind of the leaders of the new revolution in terms of how these games are televised locally. Other teams might start to follow suit. Am I going to have to go back to put an antenna on my roof soon? <laughs> no, am, I gonna, am I going to need to buy more aluminum foil to like put on the TV antenna in my home? As it's, someone who owns an antenna, yeah. it's literally sitting on my floor in my bedroom. Yeah. And you still really get all the channels. You, it just, you just have to have one plugged into the back of your TV, Look, basically. Exactly. Look, yeah, let's okay. get back to having to get up and change the channel by hand. This sitting down and being able to change the the channel's ridiculous. And the days when you had to hold lazy. the wire like oh, this right, right, with seriously. your arm up like, here. Like, remember when you used to touch the antenna and the signal would get better? You're like, yeah. all right, I guess I'll just stand here and watch TV. You guys ever have a circle antenna? <laughs> you ever have the circle antenna? Yeah, yeah my antenna's yeah. a circle. There was 65, no, like on your TV. On your TV, there was a little circle antenna on the TV. But it, I, it, what, is, is your antenna a circle, Mitch? And it's like disguised to look like it's a speaker, so if you put it up on the wall, it just kind of blends <laughs> oh, in. But it doesn't yeah. blend in. It looks ugly. I had the one. It was a, se- it was a separate Channel. There was like 65 channels on there, but only three came in. They came in really fuzzy. You didn't know what you were watching. Yeah, we had no idea what you were watching. Back, going back to the old days. That's mm-hmm. your 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, who's going to get a majority of the minutes at point guard tomorrow? Who's going to start at point guard tomorrow? We have something you might want to hear about that. Gambo's got something you might want to hear about that coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns nuggets now. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo show. We teased it coming out of the last segments. Gambo's got some information about what might happen tomorrow for the Phoenix Suns at the point guard position. Gambo, go for it. What do you got? Yeah, I'm hearing that campaign will start, so they won't go point 
Frank Buck and uh, some people had suggested, could they start Ross at the two guard? What could they do? What I'm hearing is that campaign is is likely to start. You know, barring anything that could, you know, if he tweaks his back or something by tomorrow morning and isn't healthy, uh, what I'm hearing is that campaign is, is, is expected to get the start tomorrow for the Suns. All right. It's not a – well, you know what? I'm, I don't know if it's a surprise or not because they could have gone with the point book, right? They could, they could have, have went point book. They could have absolutely gone point book. Put a two guard next to him. And, yep. and, and kind of kept their typical traditional rotations alive by having campaign come in, you know, halfway through the first quarter, much like he would have anyway, and just seeing how that goes. If it, 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 I'm assuming you're right. So let's, it's campaign tomorrow. He's going to be the starter. Let's work off of that for a minute. How long is the leash? How short is the leash? It's a good question. How, you know, like, what is what do we have to see from him before they yank it and go with point book? Well, he's got, obviously, he's got to be himself. He's got to push that tempo. He's got to make uh, the Denver Nuggets really work to get back on defense. He's got to get to the basket. And he's got to find a way to get pick and roll with DA and try to get, get everybody involved. Uh, but they're really going to look for some scoring because they're going to miss Chris's scoring. You know, uh, Chris was able to get you 14, 15 points a game. So they're going to miss that. So I I think he's got to score the basketball. Can't be too erratic with the turnovers, right? He's got to be careful with that because sometimes he plays a little out of control. So I think we'll look at that. How how short is the leash? I, I think it's pretty short. I think I think so too. You go four or five minutes, and man, you're you're you know, you're down by six or eight, and he's not playing very well. I think you play, you take him out of the game and you run book for a while, and and you know and you let and you let point book cook. They don't want to. They're very leery of having book or be point yeah. book because of how much it. It, it, it takes it takes a toll on you. Yeah, I, I'm going to play this cut. This is from Monty uh, after the game on May 1st. So this is after they lost game two and found out that Chris Paul was injured. He was asked the question if Booker can carry the load at point guard if needed, and you can just hear the, the hesitation in his voice. I think it's a lot. You know, uh, he, he was probably more tired than he would admit. Um, but with Chris off the floor, it puts a lot of pressure on him. So I got to figure that out. I got to imagine. Okay, if campaign's starting tomorrow, yes, I got to imagine that this is to give Booker a brief respite at the beginning of the game and the beginning of the third quarter, where he's not initiating the offense and he's not the point guard. Uh, other than that, I think the rest of the time it's point book. You know, like campaign might start and campaign will play six, seven minutes, whatever, to start the first quarter and to start the third quarter. But beyond that, I think all bets are off unless he plays extraordinary and you're better off running your offense through campaign, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we still see a heavy, heavy dose dose of point book tomorrow night. And that this is just a way to ease a, to let him ease into it a little bit, not just ask that of him right out of the gate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that if, if, if Book's running the point, I think it does bode well for KD to be the number one option, you know, to be that guy. You want 50 from KD, that might you might be better suited with Book running the point because Book will take less shots and it'll be more actively trying to get other guys involved. And then you could just set a lot of screens for KD and have him come off screens and knock down shots. You know, KD, it was incredible how poorly KD shoot shot the ball because that just doesn't happen. Like, he, does, he doesn't shoot like that ever. So that was an oddity. So hopefully tomorrow, when when Book is running the point, I think it does bold well to get KD more involved in the offense. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's that's... The main reason to want to do it is the like the path. If we can all agree that in order for the Suns to win to tomorrow night, 
is for Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to have elite games. The path to that happening is probably point book because it does, to your point, set up Kevin Durant, I think, better to become the number one primary option in that and for Booker to find him off of those screens and things like that. The the biggest problem here, and, and again, I think why they're starting campaign tomorrow, you're going to wear Devin Booker down to the wear nub. Down. You're just you're going to wear so him much. down to the nub if you just play him point book the whole game. And I think Monty knows they can't do that. Now, if it's a game seven. Oh, boy. If they get to a game seven. Hey, you if might, they get you to know, a game seven, then. A different story. Hallelujah, right? right? Oh, I know. <laughs> like, I, I mean, seriously, like at this point, if you said to me, would you take a game seven? Hell yeah, I'd take a game seven in this series. Bring it. Well, we said that this is the games three and four are must wins. Like yeah. you can't split if you're Phoenix. No, you, you can't. can't split. You got you have to win both. And I think that three one of, is a much different hole than two nothing. And I think that level of desperation will cause the Suns to flash a lot of point book over these two games. I think they'll have, now we say these two games. It really is about tomorrow night's game. They lose tomorrow night's game. Now we're talking about a potential sweep. Now we're talking about you and I on the air on Monday. Oh God, God forbid we're talking about they lose four games to none. That would mean we, we only have one more show left with the Suns in the playoffs. Potentially. Tomorrow. Potentially. If they would get swept. If they get swept. They're not going to get swept. And I don't think they're going to get swept. They're not going to get swept. They're not. They're not. I, I'm not I, think, I think they'll win one. They're going to win Friday. I, I believe it. I re, I'm convicted that they're going to win on Friday. Sunday, I don't have the first friggin' clue what's going to happen on Sunday. I don't. Well, Friday's Friday's game is 7 o'clock. Yes. Sunday's is 5. Yes. I, I, I like, I mean, I, I listen, this is just predictions here. But if it's a close game and you've got to play Booker and Durant 45 minutes a game, and then you've got to come back Sunday and it's, and it's two hours less, and in a 48-hour time window, you're down to 46, it's a little bit less, you know, that, that's where I think Denver would, because Denver's got the depth. Denver's got a lot of depth. They don't have to play Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic 45 minutes a game. They've got better depth. They'll be more suited to win Sunday than they would Friday, I think. Here's money again today on if they're better prepared to handle losing Chris Paul this year. Uh, I wouldn't say. I, mean, I think we've been in these situations before where we've had guys um, go down and we've had a number of guys uh, step up, but they were prepared during the regular season for these moments. So uh, this could be one of those situations we just have to wait and see. I can hear the, I can hear the hesitation in his voice when he was answering that question. I, I don't think they're better prepared to handle losing Chris Paul this year. I think Devin Booker is better prepared to be point book this year than he ever has in his life. Like I think, yeah, in, I agree. It, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking about it as you say, and I, I don't disagree with yeah, that. In the career better, arc of Devin Booker, this is like the the best version of him to be the point guard of this team. He's there. This is the best version of that version of Devin Booker. I think. I think the other thing is they, you know, Chris was always a one a, a one or a two option, and now he's a three or a four. So you're better suited there. Like when you're, you know, you're not replacing. If Chris Paul would have went out the year they made it to the finals, or even last year, you know, that's a lot more devastating than if he goes out. It still hurts now, but he's not used the same way. Oh, I mean, you think about two years ago, he's got the shoulder injury against the Lakers, and you're thinking, oh crap, they're done. (laughs) Then he gets COVID against the Clippers, and you're, you know, they were not having Kawhi Leonard, so that changed that a little bit. But you're thinking, man, if Chris Paul's going to be out for very long, they could be the version of Chris Paul now is so different than he was two 
years ago, but as we talked about earlier in the show, he's still very important for what they do, and he's still, you'd much rather have him than not. We'll see how the Suns are equipped to deal with this, but again, reiterating the news, Gambo is expecting the campaign is going to get the start tomorrow night yes. for the Phoenix Suns. Yep. Yeah. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, he is the highest rated prospect for next year's draft class. Is there a reason to believe that he's not the reason for his success? I'll explain that next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It's hard to believe the NFL draft is only a week old. It was a quick week. Obviously, a lot's happened with the Suns falling down 0-2 to the Denver Nuggets. And, of course, everything the Cardinals did. But one thing has become crystal clear in the week since the first round of the NFL draft when the Cardinals moved back and then back up again. The name Caleb Williams has been thrown about around here in ways over the last 48 to 72 hours that you you, you it's it's somewhat disrespectful to Kyler Murray, but not really, right? Like you you get it, you understand. If you're Cardinals, it's hard not to think about it. Yeah, it's hard not to wonder about. You've got these these two first round draft picks next year, yours and the Texans, and you're probably going to suck, and they're probably going to suck, and they might be really really good picks, and and it's it's hard not to look at any news about Caleb Williams, good, bad, or indifferent, and wonder to yourself, how does this impact the Cardinals? What does it mean for the Cardinals? What yeah. they consider to, right? Like it's, I think no, we're going to be obsessed with Caleb Williams for the next year, I Can think. you imagine all the quarterback needy teams out there? The Falcons, the Saints, Washington, all of those teams, quarterback needy, that are just going to win three or four games and watch the Cardinals, who just invested 200 and something million dollars in a quarterback, get the quarterback. Potentially. Like, really? Really? You're going to get him? Wow. Like, uh, so I think, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that would, you know, salivating over this kid. And there's stories out there. I mean, could, could, could Will Caleb Williams be Kyler Murray's successor? And I think a lot depends on, you know, how they view Kyler Murray. Now, they all doing all the right things now. Kyler's four years into his career. He's played 56, 57 games. We're really still not sure what they have in Kyler Murray. Sure. He's good. He's not great. You can, you know, but what happens? What happens if Kyler Murray comes back, plays in 10 games, 11 games, and doesn't play very well? Doesn't play very well. Well, then you got to take Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. What if he comes back and plays well? Do you think that he could be one of the top elite quarterbacks? In like it, the other thing is how you evaluate Caleb Williams. You look at this kid that's won the Heisman Trophy. If you're like this kid's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't matter that you have Kyler Murray. Sure, it doesn't matter. Like that stuff will all figure itself out. Yeah, you'll have to eat money and dead cap money, but to pass, you're not going to pass on the next Patrick Mahomes. Because you're worried about your dead cap hit for a couple of years. No, you're not. You can't. It'd be irresponsible for you to do right. that. And and it, it's the not knowing, you know, because there's so many variables to this equation. So many variables. So, and you pointed out most of them. Kyler Murray, how does he play? How does he look? How good is he? New coaches. How does he respond to it? I mean, look, I'll, the one thing I'll, I'll keep giving Kyler Murray a lot of credit for as he's, you know, the ACL surgery and the rehab and everything I was reading a story today about Paris Johnson and the bond that he's formed with, with Kyler, Kyler Murray. Yeah, he was all excited when he when Kyler knew his name. Yeah, right? It, like, Kyler knows my name. And my number one takeaway from that story wasn't that Paris Johnson was excited because Kyler knew his name. It's that Kyler's in the building. That was my number one takeaway from that story is that yeah. Kyler, Kyler was there during that 
pre-draft visit. And then Kyler was later there to hug Paris Johnson in the parking lot the day they introduced him. Kyler's there. And not that that makes him great, and not that that means it's going to all work out great with Kyler Murray. But it's revealing a new level of dedication that I think we all wanted to see out of the guy, right? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to go out there and light it up. No, of course not. And you may say, you may say coming off an injury like this is like you really need two, need two years to evaluate the guy. You don't have two years no, to evaluate you won't. it. You won't. You got whatever amount of games he plays in. You've got to look at those games and you got to figure out, is this the guy that could lead us to a Super Bowl? Yes or no? Yep. And if the answer is yes, you keep him. And if the answer is no, you draft Caleb Williams. But you got to get done. Whatever game, whatever amount Kyler Murray plays, you say, Let, let's look at the tape for four years. Now let's look at him coming back after injury. Is he better? Is he different? Is he, is he maturing? Is he getting better? You know, all of those things factor in. And then you've got to ask yourself a simple question as an organization. Can this guy lead us to a Super Bowl? Yeah. And now the, 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 the analyzation of, of Caleb Williams it's you wait, man. It's just going to be off the charts. I mean, to the point yeah. where you sent me a story today, and expect many, many more of these, in which the the author of the story is trying to figure out whether Caleb Williams is that good. Do Lincoln Riley Ooh, quarterbacks yeah. fail at the next level? Right, like they say, a lot of them have been one hit wonders. You know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, even to a certain extent, Jalen Hurts, who got much better after he went to the Eagles. I mean, certainly no one was looking at Jalen Hurts and thinking he was going to be that when he came out of school, right? There's a question now about Lincoln-Riley-led quarterbacks, and I'll even go one step further. Caleb Williams is not only going to be a Lincoln-Riley-led quarterback, he's going to be a Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury-coached quarterback. Yeah. And not that that means I, de- <laughs> I, just, I just blew Mitch's mind in there. Mitch's, his eyes are rolling into the back of his skull, right? But no, I'm serious. No, there's only... Listen, you have to play the, to the quarterback's talent. Kyler's Kyler's problem was the inability to read defenses and go through reads and progressions quickly. So you always focused on one side of the field a lot. You know, that's why Hopkins always lined up on the left two years ago. Now this year you were trying to do a little bit more with him. Um, but you know, remember they, it's not like they had him behind center. He was, he was in the shotgun all the time. So if you got, if you did draft. Caleb Williams, you'd have a lot more options of things that you could do with how you want to run your offense. Yeah, this story, I'm going to read this quote because I like this. Uh, quote, before Caleb Williams' name is engraved on the number one pick, he'll be scrutinized more thoroughly over the next year than a presidential candidate in an election year. Williams will be dissected thoroughly over the next year, but he's aced each test with flying colors during his first two seasons under the spotlight, close quote. And that's the one thing we've been cautioning everybody for all this Caleb Williams talk, we can't sit here and say for sure that Caleb Williams right now today is the number one pick. We can, you know, way too early mock draft him as the right. number one pick. We have no idea how Caleb Williams is going to play this year. Not a clue. Not a, not a clue. His stock might take a hit. We he, don't know. He's not the biggest guy either. He's only six one. It's not like you're getting his six four quarterback, right? He's about the same size as Jalen Hurts. So, but he can run a little bit. He's for the touchdown interception ratio was incredible last year, forty two to five. So, I don't think the size is going to be an issue because Kyler's what five ten. Yeah. So, like he towers over Kyler at six one, but he's not the biggest guy out there. He's thick and he's strong, and he's got a really good arm and he's really an accurate passer. And everybody's looking at him, and you know he is the consensus number one pick. But a lot does depend on how he plays because you know you can't mock the 2024 draft now. It's not real. You got to see how he plays this next season. Yeah, and and if the other part of this equation, and you brought it up, every Cardinal fan out there 
should root for Kyler Murray to play very, very well when he comes back. Yes, All right? for two I, reasons. For two reasons. I mean, number one, to give you the option of keeping him and feeling good about it, like you've got your franchise quarterback and you can trade the number one pick if you end up with it. And number two, so that you could potentially trade Kyler to accommodate Caleb Williams if it came to that, right? Like it's, yes. it's now, you know, if you want the Cardinals to lose then maybe it's not in your best interest for Kyler to play really, really well because they might win more games than you want. There's always that to consider, too. Like, if Kyler comes back for the last 10 games of the season and lights it up, chances are decent they'll win more games than maybe we want them to. Well, and Kyler's that probably thinking that, right? Kyler's probably thinking that, too. Well, it might not be if Houston's terrible. Well, it, 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 and, and that's true. You can still be good, but if Houston's awful, you still might have the number one yeah. pick. But this vision of having the first and the second pick or two top five picks, if Kyler comes back halfway through the season and lights it up and really bonds with his new OC and his new head coach, the Cardinals might not have a top five pick. You know, they, they, he might play them out of that potentially, but then you always have right. Houston's pick to fall back on if that And happens. then there's one other major caveat that we haven't talked about at all. Which is? Okay, what if you don't get the number one pick? What if you get two? What if you get three? There's this kid, Drake May, out of North Carolina that everybody's in love with, too. Yep. And he's your prototypical, yeah. big, big, strong, tall, 6'4", 220, 38 touchdown passes last year, ran for seven scores. So it's not just Caleb Williams. We haven't discussed this yet. There's two quarterbacks expected to go like 1-2 next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, you don't get the first pick, but you get the second pick. Okay. All right, they take Caleb Williams. Now, do you want Kyler Murray or Drake May? <laughs> Which guy's your quarterback? Yeah. So I don't think it's just Caleb Williams. I think you've got to take a look at how this North Carolina kid plays this year, too, because everybody loves him. It's incredible how this time a week ago, we weren't even thinking about this. We weren't even. I mean, the draft hadn't even started yet. Right. right? Draft was one week ago today. We The, the Cardinals or the the, the, team, the first team, the, the Carolina Panthers, they weren't even on the clock for another half hour this time a week ago. And yet here we are one week later, and all we can talk about is Kyler Murray this, Caleb Williams that. You might have two top five picks. What would you do? All these way too early mock drafts. It's f- Look, it's fun. I I can speculate about stuff like this, this all day. It gives you a lot to I think, think about a lot of fun. It does. gives you a lot to think about. Sure. It really, really does. We need you, Suns fans, more than ever. Rally this valley for games three and games four of this playoff series against the Denver Nuggets. Text the word TICKET to 620-620. Register. Listen for your name. Sometime during our 5 o'clock hour here on Burns and Gambo, it's your chance to qualify to go see Game 3 or Game 4 and win tickets to go see the Suns take on the Nuggets. Again, text the word TICKET to 620-620. They're up two games to none. They're trying not to let it get to their heads. At least, that's what they're saying. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Let's uh, get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Let's turn it back over to Eric Ruby here on this Thursday edition. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. What's good, Rubes? Well, with the news that Gambo's bringing down about campaign starting, that brings attention back to our poll question. Out of these three players who primarily have come off the bench or not come off the bench at all, who will have the greater positive impact on the Suns in game three? You've got campaign, Terrence Ross, and then TJ Warren. (laughs) 
<laughs> you got campaign. You got Terrence Ross, and then you got TJ Warren. I, I'm hmm. just, I'm just speaking over here, man. I'm no, reading into things. Reading into things. Well, there was a lot of people that weren't really sure who Monty was going to start. You could have went yeah. point book and started Craig with the Koji. You could have went Booker, a Koji, Tory Craig, KD, and DA. Like that was an option. Sure, you could have gone Booker. Terrence Ross. Booker Terrence Ross. Troy Craig, KD, and Aiden. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, and just because campaign's going to start, per Gambo's report, that doesn't mean he's going to have the greatest positive impact. I mean, he, he campaign, yeah. you know, you don't know. You're not really sure. Uh, to me, the answer is still campaign, but I'm pleased that this is closer. Like, we were talking about this pre-show when we were worried campaign was going to run away with it. He's not. I, I, I hope 38% of our audience is right about Terrence Ross, because that would be a nice shot in the arm if you could do something like that, right? Yes. And that is where the poll is at. It stayed about similar in the past two hours. 46.5%, a little bit down for campaign, but still leading the way. 38.3% say Terrence Ross. Only 15% say TJ Warren. But we put a fun one out there. I'm interested about your guys' response to this. It's okay. not a poll, but it's open-ended. Right. If you can bring back one role player from Suns history to lace them up for game three. Grand Hill. Who would it be? Grand Hill. We got Grand Hill from Gambo, from you, Bernsey. I can read off some answers if you'd like. Uh, Grand Hill's a good answer. Yeah, I get scoring, I get defense, I get it all. I get everything with Grand Hill. That's one that I haven't seen a lot of either. Grand Hill. One role player from the Suns. God, I'm just so... I'm so stuck on Cam Johnson. I mean, like it's the, that's it's, a good one too. It's the first name, and I know it's re, it's recency biased, right? Like it's like, I'm sure there are names from Suns history that would be as good, if not. But just to give you that spacing and that shooting and that scoring and a decent enough defender out there, Grand Hill. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey Gambo, who would you just, go with? He just keeps he's just going to keep saying it over no, and go over ahead, again. Go ahead, Cam, put me down for Cam Johnson. There's some good answers in here. I like both of yours because not a lot of people have put those down. Leandro Barbosa has been a big name thrown in there. Interesting. Thunder Dan. Okay. Rex Chapman. Eddie Johnson. And some people don't know what role player means, so they said Steve Nash, which would be nice. It'd be nice. In what universe is Steve Nash a role player? (laughs) Steve Nash is a role player his first two years in the league, and then after that he was kind of a star. Eddie Boris Diaz. Yep, there's a couple Diaz. we got a young Drogic in here. A lot of answers. If you want to go make your voice known, go to at Burns and Gambo. Goran Drogic is a good one. But he wasn't a role player. He's a young Drogic. Young Drogic. At his peak, he was 13 all NBA. How about a Rajah Bell? I wanted. I, I was going to put Rajah Bell. I'm looking at Rajah Bell right here. Oh, too. Somebody put Rajah Bell I down. Think this is. It, I think it might be the anniversary of his clothesline, or the game after the clothesline, sometime around these couple. Really, days. Grand Hill. Yeah. So so good. Hey Gambo, who would you go with? <laughs> <laughs> he, there wasn't Grand anything he couldn't do. Grand Hill. As, great as, passer, as great if, defender. As if that's the only answer to the question. Grand, Grand Hill. Hill. Grand hey, give him. Grand Grand Hill. It's a good answer. Grand it's Hill. a good answer. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to interrupt you and just say Grand Hill. And nobody else had that, huh? Not that I. Mm-hmm. Not that I saw. Actually, no. Mm-hmm. Hour ago, sorry, Dawson beat you. Grant Hill. There's a lot of responses uh, to this. Right. That's, good. I like that. That's good fun. One. That's a fun one. I like that. Michael Malone yesterday, head coach of the Denver Nuggets, trying to remind his team that nothing has been accomplished yet. The one thing I've been trying to tell her guys is everybody's so excited we're up 2-1-0. You know, because the, the Suns going into the second round are the, the favorites to come out of the West. I don't want our guys thinking we've done anything. All we've done is hold serve. Like, we're supposed to win two games at home. Yeah, I mean, that's so I'm not celebrating. Like, we haven't done anything yet. You know, you don't win a series in two games. So my my mantra to our players is, like, 
we'll do something if we go down there and win game three. All right, now we're talking. He's not wrong. He's not no, wrong about no. any of it. No. Um, and he's right to try to say it. What he's trying to do clearly is counteract what he expects to be an extremely desperate Phoenix Suns team tomorrow because they will be desperate tomorrow. They're going to play yeah, they with will, a level but, of desperation. Yeah, and this is the difference between, to me, championship teams and non-championship teams. If the Nuggets are really a championship team, they'll take the Suns' best punch because they're desperate, and they'll find a way to beat them. Because that's what great teams do. Mm-hmm. I'll take your best punch because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. You're going to hit me with you, everything you have. But I'm still going to beat you. Because you know why? I've got the killer instinct. I smell blood. I'm going to go for this. I don't want the, I don't want this series dragging on any further than it has to. I've either got the Warriors or the Lakers up next. I'm going to eliminate you quickly and I'm going to get some rest. Yeah. And in a perfect world, that's how you draw it up. In a, look, this time a year ago, that's exactly what we thought the Phoenix Suns were going to do against the Dallas Mavericks. They were up to they had dominated the first two games. I'll never forget. I've said this many, many times on the air. I will never forget. You and I doing the show after game two. It was on a Friday. The Suns were playing game three on Friday night, game four on Sunday. Sunday yeah. And I was openly yeah. worried about whether we were going to go a whole week without talking about Suns basketball because they were going to sweep the Dallas Mavericks. Right. right? Like, it's crazy to think about it now. But I remember doing shows on that Friday thinking, man, are we going to come in here on Monday and this thing is over? And now, here we are. Damn, here we are having basically the exact same conversation except flipped. Are we going to come in here on Monday because this thing is over? Last year it was because we thought the Suns were going to sweep. This year we're scared to death they're going to get swept. Now, I don't think they are. You don't think they are. But if Denver does what you say they should, have that killer instinct, blood in the water, go get it, no mercy, sweep the leg, all that stuff. If they win game three, Suns are going to get swept. They, I think they will. If, if they lose on Friday night, I believe they will get swept right out of yeah, the no matter, series. Listen, I think at that point, like right now, you still think you have a chance. And then you look at the history, and history has shown the teams have come back from down to nothing. More recent history, it's not a great odds. Your odds are only like, I think, like 9% or 8 point well, yeah, something that's to percent. Win the, that's to win the series. To win though, the series. To win the series, right? Like yeah. we're, we're just talking but about But you get now. down 3 nothing, you know you can't oh, win the course. series. Of course, yeah. You're, no one's ever you done it. You know you can't win it. Yeah, no one's ever done yeah, it. I went to four games in a row in with the two of them in Denver. Look, it's, it's a silly cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. It truly is just one game at a time. You just got to win Friday. Win Friday, get that positive feeling flowing through your blood again, right? And you start thinking about the things that worked and the things that you did. I think no matter how many times Michael Malone tries to tell his team, hey, all we've done is what we were supposed to do. We've won at home. We haven't accomplished anything yet. I tend to believe the Suns will come out with a level of desperation and energy that the Nuggets simply will not be able to match. Now, look, I thought Game 7 last year against the Dallas Mavericks, the Suns were going to do exactly the same thing, and they messed themselves, right? Like, it was was a disaster in Game 7. This might not happen, but I just believe the Suns will be able to play with a desperate energy that the Nuggets can't match on just Friday night. don't know if they've got the horses to do it. With Chris Paul out and a very suspect bench and Denver's ability now with Chris Paul out to put all that pressure on, you know, KD and Book, I just don't know that they've got the horses. When we come back here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, if the Phoenix Suns are going to win this game on Friday and maybe even even this series up, they're going to have to overcome The Dragon Slayer? Who is that supposed to be? Next on the Burns and Gambo Show.